is a Bramble Jam podcast. Hi, I'm Bran, and I love Hallmark Christmas movies. Hey, I'm Panda, and I like Hallmark Christmas movies. I'm Dan, and I despise Hallmark Christmas movies. Hey, I'm Antonio Caon, and sometimes I get to be in Hallmark Christmas movies. And this is the Deck the Hallmark Podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, boy. Man, it is a Saturday. And it is such a big day because it's a day, I think, uh, Hallmark fans, Dan, you wouldn't get it. But Hallmark fans wake up once every holiday season and you're like, oh, it's Evergreen Day. It's Evergreen Day. And that is what today is because it's Evergreen Day. And it's a really exciting day for oh, Evergreen. Yeah. It is. It is. Uh, it's a day that uh, that I think everybody's been waiting for, and it's because Antonio's leading. That's Antonio's right. the guy. We've been shipping this couple yes. on Evergreen for a hundred years, <laughs> and we finally get a, a, a movie where they are the leads. Which and in what my is? Opinion, and I just want to say, we'll make I, it better. I feel responsible for this yeah. because we yeah. talked to Rakia earlier this year, and I said, I we are waiting for this Evergreen movie. That's right, and it's happening. That's so right. So I, I I don't. Like like to take credit for much aside from no, everything course, that i'm responsible of course for. not yeah. and this is one of those yeah. things so, so you're, you're uh, congratulations since we talked to rukia in the in, in like, january in january and we're talking to antonio the day that the movie comes out yeah. you're responsible for it yes we wouldn't be here today <laughs> if it wasn't for me antonio welcome to the podcast so happy you're here Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. And you got a nice little Christmas tree behind you. You're all decorated for Christmas. I, I got to ask you, um, Christmas for me, it's the best time of the year. I love it. I've loved it since I was a kid. Um, what, what, you know, what comes to mind when you think of Christmas growing up in your household? What was it like for you? Was it this big, crazy thing like you see in the Hallmark movies or was it a little bit more low key? Where are you at? Mine wasn't like the Hallmark movies, <clears throat> excuse me, but, um, it was, uh, I, I grew up in a co-op actually. So my house had my two sisters. And then as soon as you open the doors, there was like a hundred kids, uh, all celebrating different things. Lots of Christmas, lots of Hanukkah, lots of Diwali. Like it was a very multiple neighborhood. Uh, and so it was like super community, uh, month. Like at any moment of the day that you wanted to be doing something, there was something to be done, whether it was massive snowball fights or, or so I guess it kind of was a little bit like Hallmark. It just it, it, it had like a different uh, tone to it. This sounds like you never had any time to yourself growing up. Is that accurate? <laughs> Uh, fairly accurate. So yeah. you have to be okay with that, right? Like now you're, you can't be some, but you can't be an introvert if, if that's no. the life you grow up. <laughs> oh yeah. No, there's no option. You, Funny enough. My wife was a, uh, an only child and I'm uh, <laughs> one of three in a co-op of a thousand. And, and we have very different views on Christmas because Christmas for her was like, honey, here's your gift. <laughs> now and while you open it. And I was like, we're, we're figuring out how students come yeah. together. I do think when you get married, that's one of the big questions. It if is. your family does the mad dash or they do yes. the everybody stare while one person opens the gift. Yeah. That's a big yeah. deal. The, the, I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the staring at one person is weird to me. Like, I don't know how yeah. anybody does I, it. I'm so happy to hear this because <laughs> my wife's family for the longest time was the only family I knew that did it. And, and the first time I went there, I was terrified yeah i was yeah. confused i was scared because if you get a bad gift antonio you gotta act it you up got man it. you gotta yeah. get those acting chops going early 
Yeah. And you're, and, you're, and you're caught off guard. You're acting off guard. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes you don't, even knew, you don't even know who the gift was from because there's so many people staring at you. And That's you're, right. You're like scanning to see who's going to cry. It's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's very funny because I feel like I don't really remember. We were a Mad Dash family when we were kids, but the older that we got, the more we would do the, the sit and stare. I feel like it's impossible with kids. I feel oh, like no. you can't, no. hey, th- three-year-old, don't open another one until I open mine, okay? Right. Watch daddy open it, okay? I, I do think there's something to be said about the only child. My wife was an only child, uh-huh. uh, and she th- did, that's where, what she did because there's only one kid, and yeah. so you watch them yeah. open the gifts. Whereas if you have siblings, you got a big family, no, 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 no. Everybody's out to get theirs at that point. There's, yep. there's a lot going on. I yeah. love it. Where was this? Where did you grow up, Antonio? Go ahead and tell us that. We're a little bit about your background and growing up, and then first time you thought, hey, maybe acting's for me. Yeah, officially, I grew up outside of Toronto in a place called uh, Thornhill Vaughn. Uh, unofficially, when I was like 12, the mayor of Toronto absorbed where I lived, and it became Toronto. <laughs> <clears throat> so depending on who you speak to, I'm either from Toronto or from outside of Toronto. <laughs> who cares? But it's one of those two stories. Um, but yeah, I grew up, uh, I grew up there and, um, I ended up getting into acting essentially by accident. Most of my life is, is a series of like just accidents. Um, and so I auditioned for uh, a, a kid's TV show while I was on a, a professional development day. So my school was closed. My mother was a teacher. Uh, her school district was open. So I went to, um, her schools and wandered the halls aimlessly while she taught. And I wandered into this room with a film crew and they happened to be doing auditions. And I said, you guys want coffee? And, and I thought I was a strange little kid, uh, that was like truant. And, uh, and I said, uh, they were like, we don't need coffee. Are you here for the audition? I said, I, I don't know what that is. I'm just here to get you coffee. And, uh, they said, well, you can read this script. It's about oranges in the ocean and how the, the Navy cleans up oranges to practice on oil spills. I was like, great story. Let's do it. I guess, um, auditioned, uh, they didn't let me get them coffee at the end. And then five months later, they offered me a job. Wow. Um, at point, I had to tell my parents that I had gone for this audition, <laughs> I didn't tell them. but I didn't tell them because I, I wasn't trying to hide something. I just wasn't very like, I didn't get it. I didn't know yeah. what was happening. So uh, you didn't know you auditioned. That's right. Yeah. No. <laughs> that, yeah. that does sound like a movie. Like this is the backdoor so audition where he's just like, like Barry just shows up and he auditions. I don't, I do want to back up. I do want to get to yeah. acting, but you you talking about this co-op thing like it's a fair like yeah. this is the first time that we've heard anyone say yeah. they grew up in a situation oh, yeah. like that was that common outside of toronto or was this um, just a very particular part of your childhood that that isn't shared by many in canada because in america canada's pretty magical yeah, we, we don't know any, like there's <laughs> right. there's there's different dollars for things there's yeah. tim hortons like we don't know what's there's going healthcare. on healthcare yeah well healthcare it doesn't well, cost anything yeah, yeah look, at that. look at that even dental <laughs> are you kidding me I'm going. Co-ops are, uh, I actually don't know. I mean, I grew up in a co-op, so it was normal. And then as I got older, I, I, I discovered that not everyone grew up in these, but, uh, co-ops were like, um, uh, attached houses, like townhouses, um, in some sort of assisted living. So it, it would be like, there would be like a hundred houses in this little suburb within a, a larger suburb. Um, and you had to apply to be part of the co-op, but in becoming part of the co-op, you also had to contribute in some way. Um, and you know, not in like a, a perfect communist ideal kind of way, but like you would sit on a board for something, um, or, uh, or you, yeah, you'd be part of like, I don't know, the group of people who, uh, do like neighborhood watch or, um, uh, I don't even know. I mean, I was a kid, so I didn't participate in any of those things, but what I do know now is like, I've, I've now moved to BC and there are co-ops around here and they're fairly common. Hmm. Um, uh, and it's, it's, it's kind of like 
once you're in a co-op, that place is, as far as I understand, yours until your family no longer wants it. And then it, it goes back over to the co-op and then they can resell it or mortgage it or rent it or whatever. But there are townhouses that are connected. There's a door in the wall. Like you can go like. You oh, can- sorry. No, they're not connected to each other. But, but like we share walls. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, well, yeah. I, early on, I was like, you're just walking through, you're just running down right all on. the doors. Okay. I feel a little bit better, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I, I, I still love it. No, it's a, gr- it's, a, it's a great idea. I love it. I, I love I'm it. on board. Yeah. And so you, you, you booked this gig as a, how old were you when you booked this, this gig? Uh, I was in grade seven. Okay. What's that? 13? Yeah, 13 years. You're a teenager. You booked the gig. You got to explain it to your parents. Clearly yeah. it went well and you wanted to pursue it as a career. Was it just that quickly or did it take some time? I, uh, I was interested in it. I didn't know what I was doing, right? So um, essentially the job was like, uh, if you imagine Saturday morning cartoons, in between the cartoons, there's that filler space that now gets sold to like Nestle and whatnot. Um, but once upon a time, the network would buy that that time space mm. and I would show up and I'd be like, hey, I'm Antonio for Kids TV. We're at Sally's Christmas tree lot and we're going to learn about Christmas trees. Did you know that there's grand furs and something furs and some other tree and this tree and, and that was my job. <laughs> you were the host. Uh, I love it. Yeah. I was, I was just the host of like a nothing show about stuff that kids might like. Wow. Um, yeah. And did that, did that eventually, uh, how long did you do that? And did like anything come of that? Like offer wise, did anybody see it and be like, you should do more than that. No, no, that's not how my life works, unfortunately. But I, <laughs> I did it for a year. Okay. And um, we knew at the beginning that it was a year contract. So essentially it was like, um, it was a pilot. Uh, so they were going to launch it for one year. They were going to switch the kids out because they always wanted the same age. Um, they ran it the second year, same age of kids. And then they rejigged the model and turned it into a, a, a co-host show. So there was just two kids. And the first year there were six. Um and so once it became a two person show, it was called popular mechanics for kids mm-hmm. and it gave birth to like Jay Baruchel and uh, oh, wow. Cuthbert. Oh, so my. I'm responsible for their careers in the same way <laughs> oh, you're oh, responsible oh. for Christmas and Evergreen four. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. absolutely. So both hand, both hand for sure. So very involved yeah. for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So you, you finish up there uh, and then you just, I said go- to my dad, you I said- want to do this. Yeah. And he said, huh, no. <laughs> um, and I didn't know why at the time I found out years later, but he, uh, he was very like, you get your education and you, you do something else. And I was like, okay, I didn't really, there wasn't a conversation. There weren't options involved. It didn't matter. You could cry, scream, whatever. Like he said it, he meant it. That <laughs> you was did. it. That's right. So yeah. what did you, what did you decide to do as your profession? Uh, nothing. I played, <laughs> I played sports. I played soccer. Um, because somehow sports were allowed and acting wasn't like, <laughs> Classic. that good. Uh, and, uh, at some point playing soccer, I, uh, I hurt myself really badly. And, uh, because of the type of student I was in school, I had a lot of gym classes, uh, one semester. <laughs> and, um, after injuring myself, uh, I couldn't complete any of the gym classes. I was essentially like kicked out. And the rule in school was if you're not a full-time student, you have to have a part-time job. Um, and I didn't. Uh, so they were like, you gotta go, which sucked. Uh, but my dad used to teach at the high school that I attended and he was one of one when it came to black teachers at the time. Uh, and, and when I showed up, there was, there was a miss Oliver who was also a, a black teacher in a sea of non non-color teachers. Uh, and so she really like showed up for me and she put me in drama and she just said, these have no prerequisites, just don't fail and you'll be okay. And then your next year you can take normal classes again. And of course, accidents. I got ushered into drama class. I ended up liking it. I ended up being good at it. I had a teacher 
who didn't want me in class and resented the fact that I was there. So uh, my competitive nature was like, I'm going to prove her wrong. Uh, Cause you can't tell me that I can't do something. And then I went out for the school play, booked it surprisingly had to do it. Cause it turns out once you book something, you have to do it. <laughs> and, uh, and then that same teacher who, um, who ran the school play, who did like me from the beginning, asked me what I wanted to do for university. And I said, not go. And she said, uh, if, if you're interested, I would like to submit an application for you for um, theater school. So wow. uh, I did that and I rehearsed my, my monologues uh, in the basement of my girlfriend's house. And I went to the audition and if I, if I can for a second, the audition was like a group audition. So it was like 10 of you in a room together. I had never auditioned outside of this sure. the school play and that, that hosting gig with the oranges. I couldn't tell that story. It was burned. And so uh, I, I got up to do my thing. And right before me, a kid auditioned who has gone on to actually become my best friend in the world. But on the day, I was like, we're not the same beast. And he showed up in a, a tights and a unitard and, and did this like interpretive dance. And it was so heartfelt with poetry. Oh, the worst. Mm, and I just thought, I just thought like, if they want him, they don't want me. Like I'm, and I got up and did a monologue that I wrote and kind of cycled through different characters, uh, ha- having, you know, different affectations and whatnot. And we both got the callback uh, and, wow. and, and ended up next to each other again and spoke to each other. And all I could think is like, this is unitard guy. Like, this is not my place. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we, we got an offer. I was in theater school and, and, and that was kind of it. I mean, at that point, I at least loved acting. Uh, but when I finished theater school, I was so disheartened by what the reality looked like that I was like, I'm just going to get a job and do something that I can sweat and feel good about myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then a couple years later I booked something and then, and then that was the last time that, that was the last time that the universe was like, Hey, maybe you should try this thing. And I was like, All right. <laughs> so dad, dad, how did he feel about theater school? Well, it turns out, and I didn't know this as a kid, I didn't, my, my dad passed when I was probably like uh, 18. And, okay. and so I, I, I didn't get this piece of information until way late. In fact, it turns out that my dad was an actor. Wow. And wow. A writer. And, uh, and he had, he had moved here from Trinidad. Um, I say here, he moved to Montreal. He spent some time in New York and he set up shop in Toronto. And, um, while he was there, he, he helped create things that still exist in the artistic community from black theater workshop in Montreal to Carabana in Toronto. Like these, these like big things tried to start a talent agency where he was bringing people from the Caribbean to Canada. What, what he understood at the time was that there was no framework for what black in Canada really looked like. Um, and he wanted to pass that on to the next generation. Uh, but in his day, you couldn't just do one thing. There was no space for him. So he was busy creating space for the next generation. While for him, he was like master of many jobs, mm-hmm. you know, like he, he just had to keep doing things. So when his like well-intentioned son shows up and says, yeah, I don't want to be an actor too. He was like, uh, no, <laughs> not, that's not it, man. Man, so, that is such a, you got to write, we got to write that story. Somebody's got to write yeah, that story. So you, cool. you really were literally standing on the shoulders of, uh, of what your dad accomplished. Isn't that crazy? Which and is, I had no idea. You want to hear the, the wildest part, actually. The first gig that I booked was um, outdoor theater. So it was the dream in High Park. Uh, High Park is the name of a park in Toronto and it was yeah. Midsummer Night Dream. And I got off stage and all the other actors have like their, their, their people there. And they're like big Toronto celebrities. And, and, and they were like amazing theater workers and whatnot. Um, uh, one of them is, is Ronnie's from Ronnie from Schitt's Creek. Like it, oh, it was wow. like, a group of like amazing people. Mm-hmm. And then there's me. 
And I'm sitting in the back and I was just like sipping on my, my whatever. And I was like, Oh, this is nice. This is a cool life. And this guy comes up and he says, um, says your dad would be really proud. Oh my God. And I looked over and I didn't know who he was. And in my memory there, he's backlit. So I can't see his face, but I'm sure it was normal. Um, and, uh, and, and I was like, Oh, uh, well, thank you. And he said, do you know who I am? And I said, no. And he said, my name's Arden Best. He was like, I grew up with your father. I was like, what? And he, he was the one who broke the news to me. It wasn't my mom <laughs> who's still around, who was like in the show, like at the, in the audience. It was this man who, who said like, I did the Trinidad and Tobago players with your dad back in Montreal. And, uh, uh I was connected to him and, um, and Derek Walcott, who is now the like poet laureate. Uh, and we were making theater back. It was this like surreal moment. I, like, I, I was cracked wide open wow. by this man who knew more about the, the, the breadcrumbs that I followed to get here than I did. Wow. That's unbelievable. Pretty rad, huh? That's crazy. It has to like mean even more now being a dad yourself. Like, yeah. like just knowing like the things that I'm doing are going to have an impact. And like, I might never know that, but my kid will, yeah. like, it's just, it's phenomenal. phenomenal. Yeah, it allows you to live with a type of intention for sure. Um, because I, I'm the product of those intentions, yeah. right? Like, and we'll get there, but we're talking about breaking barriers right now. I want to ask yeah. it while I remember it. And, and it's, I mean, you have acted in a world that was a transition for Hallmark when you started with Hallmark in what looks like 2017 that I can see, um, they had not had a single leading couple that was interracial. They had not had, uh, you know, a Christmas movie with two people of color as the leads. Yeah. And then you've got, had the opportunity not only to experience this transition, but to be a part of this transition with Christmas and Evergreen. Uh, that's pretty awesome. That's gotta be something that you can leave as a legacy for your kid. Yeah. Yeah. If this, if, you know, if this is the last thing I book, I'm, I'm good. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm actually quite, quite happy. Um, I'm quite happy knowing that it's a part of something. I, I talk a lot about like books and chapters. And so for me, casting is chapter one and we got to get to like chapter 10. So there's so much more work to do. Um, but also this is the work that needed to be not done now. Mm-hmm. Uh, like what shows up on your screen has to become a reflection of the world. And if you are inundated with uh, 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 the escapist media looking like the world that you may yourself be escaping and not realizing it, you're going to start to shift. And, and to me, that is, it, it is, it is paramount to, to, to the change that's required, right? Like, like it's, it's how we're going to get there. Um, or at least it's the first step of how we're going to get there. So for me, getting to be a part of this season and, and be able to say we are a love story in a Hallmark and it's not a black love story, a white love story, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's a love story because love looks like love looks like love, regardless of what we look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the Christmas house is the same thing. And Jingle Bell Bride was the same thing and delivered by Christmas with um, Ian and Alvina, Alvina, like it's, it's brilliant what they're um, sewing together this year, as long as it's the start. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You, you, uh, you sound like you're pretty well versed in the other Hallmark movies. Are you, are you, you watch those, you watch them uh, in your house? some of them I watch. Uh, so, so Jingle Bell Bride. So I grew up in this, this place called Vaughn or Thornhill and Jingle Bell Bride uh, starred Ronnie Rowe Jr. Who grew up in the same neighborhood wow. like okay. at the other school. <laughs> and um, we like, we knew each other growing up. We had a mutual best friend. So, so my best friend was a kid named Toby Atawo, who was like, a crazy brilliant track star ended up like, 
he didn't end up going anywhere for track, but he, he was like on full ride scholarships all across the States. And so Ronnie was like primo athlete, best friends with Toby. And I was like fledgling soccer player, best friends with Toby at two different schools. <laughs> Fantastic. We kind of knew each other that way. I love it. Well, this is good stuff, right? Uh, Dan, yeah, uh, let's take a, let's take a quick break. Okay. And we'll come back. We'll all ask right. more questions. Ooh, we're back. Yeah. While, I, while we're talking about, like, we're talking about homework, so here we go. Um, yeah. you, about five years ago, all these articles started popping up about how homework is, is white. Like, it's too white. Yeah. Only white couples, that's it. And so what Hallmark started to do was they would throw in a black best friend here and there. And it was like, well, there, there it is. They did, did it. it. Yeah. And, and it, and it wasn't, and that, those are the roles that you started getting in 2016 Sorry. onward for, <laughs> for you. Like, what was that like knowing, like, I'm, I'm, I'm the black best friend. Like I'm the guy, like just to get them out of the bad publicity that they were getting in all the, all, all the articles. Did it feel like that to you? Or did you, were you excited just about happy to get potentially work. Get, yeah, getting work and maybe causing some sort of change, which is what you were just talking about? Yeah, this is, this is the hard part. Um, so a, I didn't know about Hallmark when I first started auditioning for Hallmark. Uh, it just wasn't in my, it, it wasn't in my world. I, I, I knew nothing about it. So going out, I was, I was in the absence of that conversation to begin with. And then the first time I got on set, um, someone said to me, and, and I want to preface this properly because it's actually really important. This person was very nice, was an advocate and an ally. And, and looked at me and said, Oh, you're the one. Wow. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, you're, you're the one black character. Wow. And I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. And I looked around and I was like, I mean, it's not that I hadn't noticed that, but is it that like, there's that fine of a point on it. And she's like, Oh dude. Yeah. Uh, and so at that point I did start researching and, uh, and I knew full well what the world was. And, and I've talked about this uh, privately with, with friends and, and publicly um, in many different ways, but, but there's kind of this like fork in the road because on one side, as you say, you want to work. It's important to work. You got to get in. It's hard to lead a revolution from the outside. Not that I'm leading a revolution, but it's hard to lead a revolution from the outside. You want to be a part of something and you want to start to say, look, our values are aligned. Why don't we figure out how we both show up here authentically? And then on the other side, you want to be able to show up in your real life with integrity. And part of that means not being, not being tokenized, mm -hmm. um, yeah. you know, and, 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 and I, and so you do have to start to make this choice. And at some point I made the choice to go, okay, I'm new in town. Hallmark seems to be the work that's, that's here. I looked, I looked at the industry and thought, I don't think the ceiling is actually where it's being placed for me. I just don't, it doesn't make sense. So let's get in here and see if it looks different from the inside. Um, and, and that was important for me. Uh, and then in fact, last year on Christmas and Evergreen, I got, I, I was at a place in my life where I started to go, I don't know if I want to be in this world anymore because I haven't seen change and I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I haven't met the people on the inside. I didn't, I didn't know anyone at the network. I didn't know writers or producers or, or directors outside of the ones that I worked with who were like stirring the pot and, and being disruptive. And so I ended up moving myself to a place where I thought, well, maybe this isn't it. 
maybe maybe the ceiling is what the ceiling looks like and this is never going to be a progressive network and no one's having the conversation and that year i i started to hear from and meet different producers and writers who were kind of underneath that were like no change is coming we're just we're, we we got to figure it out it's a long game i was like all right cool i guess <laughs> <laughs> um and then and then you kind of fast forward you said you spoke to rakia in january um she and i obviously uh, are constantly in conversation, um, uh, have been in conversation constantly since, since three moving into four. And, uh, she was working on her op-ed piece, Dear Becky. And, and I was very interested in actually like trying to get in touch with Hallmark and, and reach out to them and say, during the civil rights uprising, I want you to know that you have the right people in your camp already. If you're looking for information. Um, and in my real life, this is the type of work that I do, uh, um, that I that I do do that I do already. Yeah. I'm like ten year old. Sorry, I just no. It's funny. It's <laughs> funny every good. time. No, it's, it's great. <laughs> like you just you don't even know when you're gonna you know s- step in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is the type of work that I do in my real life, and so I, I it was important to me to to try and to reach out and to say, as somebody who shows up in the world as a black man, I I need from you a bit of a blueprint uh, because because I want to be a part of this and, and I'm leading with love. And I think that's what your network is all about. And so, and I, and I can't imagine that we're the only two. I think that this conversation was really um, uh, present for them on a day-to-day basis. Um, so, so yeah, like knowing that that road forked and knowing that I thought the ceiling was high, it looked like the ceiling was low. And then during this past year, what became clear is that everyone was looking at the same ceiling it all of a sudden felt like, okay, maybe they can get this right. Um, and, uh, and you know, I'm, (laughs) I'm not a person who, who is very quick to go like, they nailed it. But I (laughs) I am a person that is pretty quick to go like, bravo. Uh, I appreciate that you opened the book, you started reading and you affected change in the way that you best saw. Um, and certainly hiring Wanya Lucas, I mean, again, I don't have, I don't have any inside information, so I've never spoken to, to Wanya, but I can't imagine that her appointment is either an accident or isn't steering a lot of right. what we're seeing. For sure. Mm. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Um, I have plenty more Hallmark questions and this is just fascinating stuff, but I do, you, you did so much before we got to Hallmark. You were on a ton of TV shows. I imagine most of them that filmed up in British Columbia. You were on a psych movie. You were in prison break. You were in iZombie. X-Files. X-Files. Mm-hmm. Uh, some heavy hitters for sure. But I yeah. want to know if there was a particularly memorable bad audition that you can uh-huh. remember in your, I, and every actor we have on, I ask this question and they all laugh and go so many, but like, they're like, look, yeah. look, if I get, if I book two out of a hundred, I'm doing great or whatever. But if there, is there a memorable one where you left and you went, Oh boy, I don't know what just happened there, but I am definitely <laughs> not getting called back. And if you ever listen to our show, go back and listen to the interviews. Cause those stories will encourage you greatly. Antonio. They <laughs> I, are I great, bet. great it's stories. Funny, it's like, like you nail it is that, um, there are so many and like the mechanism of repression is so like well tuned. What about a show or a movie or something that we would have heard of that you really wanted to get and you auditioned for, and you just maybe were too in love with the material and just, and and didn't Didn't get get it it, because you just were wanting it so bad. Listen, there was so much of that as well. So, so I mean, maybe I'll give you a slightly different story. Okay. Uh, I'm here for it because, uh, this is this is more in line with my life. So I tell you, my life is a, a series of accidents, happy accidents, 
things show up, I, I get I get an invitation into a world, I'm in. But there's another side of that equation. Murphy's law in my life is <laughs> the, the darkest, lowest looming cloud. Every time, I'm talking like 15 years of this, every time an audition lands on my desk that I'm in love with, that I'm like, oh, this is me, this is for me, this is mine, I can do this. I like spin, 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 go down the drain. I work so hard. I go, I put it on tape. I'm usually pretty happy with it. I hear nothing, not a callback, not a peep, not a, not a, not a, not a, not a. And the same actor books it every time. <laughs> no. This isn't like twice. This isn't like, oh, this happened. This honestly happened like, two months ago. Stop. Oh my gosh. Like this happened when I was 21, 23, tw like who, who is this actor? Can you tell us? He, who the actor we've, is? we've since met and like, we're not buds, but we, we've, we've met and we're like quite friendly. He's a super nice guy. And he's the thing that makes it okay is that he's great. And I'm not just saying that because we're live on a podcast. He's actually great, <laughs> he's, <laughs> but um, he's based in Vancouver. His name is Brandon McLaren. Okay. And, wow. Uh, and, that's wild. Was, like Power Rangers back in the day. Wow. Um, what else? Graceland. Like if you haven't oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. been to all of Graceland, like he's, he's, uh, I don't even know what his character's name was. Uh, DJ. Anyways, he's one of the guys from Graceland. Wow. That's crazy. That's Along with like Aaron Tveit, who is also in Hallmark this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. And Manny, who's like, he's in Good Girls. And I would watch that dude read the phone book. He's so engaging. Mm. Well, so. he, uh, you don't know this, but he wanted uh, Evergreen. That's right. Um, so, so, just, yeah. That's right. So yeah. really, it's all. We you're, did you're our due up. diligence. You're moving up. We had him on first <laughs> and be like, hey, tell us, tell us about Antonio. How much do you want Music to my ears, guys. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what uh, what was your first uh, kind of uh, foray into homework? Was it Chesapeake Shores, or did you work on the on the network before then? No, yeah, my first my first foray into Hallmark was um, uh, uh, Appetite for Love. Appetite for, for Love. love. Mm, yeah, Andrew Walker, Taylor Cole, um, obsessed with both of them. Like, th here's the thing: Hallmark can cast. <laughs> Like, like when you get on set with people, you're like, oh, there's a, there's a, an internal policy that like, if you're not a good person, you're not going to be here. Yeah. I, I, I call them the, the, the nice mafia. Like they're the nice. Yeah, yes. It's the nice mafia. As long as you're nice, you're, you're in and you're in for that life. is a blonde Taylor Cole. Wow. Oh, wow. I haven't Wait, seen a blonde Taylor Cole. I think that Cole. was the one time. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I've never seen that's, that before. Wow. Yeah. And like, that's, that's Andrew Walker with his fun hair back yeah. before. It, yeah. 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 And Andrew Walker is like, you know, Ottawa, uh, Ottawa born LA living <laughs> super nice, like living the dad life has a or, or, or organic juice company. Organic juice company. Yeah. We know Andrew and we, Andrew. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, he's, yeah. He's the best. He's great. He's I've great. been pitching Andrew a cotton candy juice for years. So if yeah. you, can just next time you talk to him, just be like, hey, hey how's the cotton candy yeah, juice? Have you coming? heard of cotton candy grapes? Because we pitched him a juice based on cotton candy idea. grapes. And he keeps telling us it's a great idea and does nothing with it. Yeah, guy. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> he does nothing. He's, he's, he's not working. He's only in every Christmas Hallmark movie. that. So, you know, we got to do something. So your first was Appetite for Love. And then you get, yeah. 
uh, some some uh, series work on Chesapeake Shores, and then you're in a series of movies that. Here's the thing: it's it's hard to make the three of us happy. Like Brandon's gonna love it regardless. Panda's usually pretty kind. I'm pretty critical of the movies by and large for fun, obviously. Um, yeah. But all of these movies got above average to great ratings from all of us. Mm-hmm. It's Christmas Eve with uh, Leanne Rhymes yeah. and Tyler Hines. Jingle, Jingle around, around the, the clock. clock. That's Michael Trainer's movie uh, yeah, with Brooke Nevin, and they had the friend group uh, that. that was wonderful. Uh, also, fashionably yours, which was our favorite of the season, oh. uh, with the, where they tour Seattle. We thought that was yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, Matching Hearts. I think that was Taylor Cole as well with yeah. Ryan Pavey. Yeah. Um, and now you're and Evergreen, which is always a hit. And now you're going to get to be a star in uh yeah. your your one or two on the call sheet whatever wherever it may fall for for the new christmas and evergreens with let uh, me ask you this because you came into evergreen three right that was your first yeah. evergreen yeah so at this point like evergreen is a is a thing like yeah. on hallmark like the hallmarkies love evergreen i love evergreen i always explain evergreen as it, evergreen in my mind takes place inside of a snow globe that's how i it is. It, I, I don't know. Yeah. I think that's actually maybe like great. deeply true. Great. That's what it feels like. So it's, yeah. I love that. It's so Christmassy and it's, it, it is a Christmas staple at this point. Did, yeah. did, did anybody like prep you heading into three? Like, Hey, this is a thing. Like, don't, don't, don't blow it. <laughs> Nothing. Not a chance. Wow. <laughs> I, um, I was smart enough, you know, like I'm, I'm TV generation. So I, I know how to binge. I, uh, I sat down and, and went through all of one and all of two. Uh, so that I could learn what the world was. Um, and they, they have such clear stamps that once you, once I binged those two, I was like, I know what I'm walking into. This is, this is the town where it's Christmas every day. Yeah. Uh, it just so happens that the cameras are on for this one month. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, so, uh, I, I, we, uh, you haven't listened to the episode that we did last year. Uh, Evergreen three is my least favorite of the Evergreen movies. I've heard but, that from a couple people. Yeah, but the the highlight of the movie was, was you and Rakia. Yeah. Right. Like it, that was yeah. that was the relationship that gave me the feels, and I was rooting for you guys, which is why I wanted we, so badly. We to, had a problem with a giant mysterious advent calendar on the side of a barn door. No one figured out for fifty years. It wasn't right. you. It was that. <laughs> that was the issue that we had. That's I just still super cool. Bear. Did you feel though when you were were doing uh doing your scenes with Rakia and those that was kind of happening? Did you feel like this is a little more special than your standard B or C storyline? Like this feels, this feels like something. Yeah, I I did feel that. And and I I believe, you know, Rakia did as well. One of the things that happened is that when Rakia and I met each other, we immediately like bonded. We immediately, we were from the same, I mean, you know, questionable as to whether or not I'm from, 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 from Toronto, but I'm from Toronto. We'll give it to you. And she's like from Toronto. Like she grew up like right in the heart of it. Uh, we had mutual friends growing up that knew each other that we didn't, we didn't know, knew each other, uh, that we were separated from like within five years. Like she might've known someone when they were like 13 to 18 and I was friends with them from like 20 to 30. Wow. Um, we had, we had neighborhood haunts that we went to that were the same, like so, so much of how we had navigated the world r- right up to moving to Vancouver, raising families here, like it is so similar. Um, and the opportunity to be in this together uh, felt felt very, you know, like not like destiny or whatever, but it, it felt like it, it. We were we were led to this. We were led to that moment. And so, while we were in the scenes, while we were working on the scenes, like we would sit in the trailer and go over stuff and, and kind of go like, that that's not quite landing. What's another way in? How do we do this? So by the time we put it on its feet, we could really just show up with our hearts and 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 connect with each other and. 
there were like that scene at the piano, the two of us were like mm. in it. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, like we would finish takes and not be speaking to each other and, and just kind of have like a silent acknowledgement of like, that was pretty beautiful. Like that was like a lovely moment to share. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, 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 we, we can't wait for the, the fourth one for sure. What, what has been your favorite Hallmark movie experience that you have worked on that is not an evergreen movie? You know, I actually think the, the, the ones that I'm, I really love are uh, the Darrow and Darrow series. Oh, we've not seen any of this. Okay. Oh my gosh. I mean, Darrow and Darrow is led by Kimberly Williams Paisley, Tom Cavanaugh, Wendy Malick. So the shows aside, and they're part of like the Hallmark um, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, movies and mystery. And so the show themselves are, are, are really solid. Like that's great, but it's the, it's the group of people that get together that really make it for me. Um, Vince Dangerfield, who plays my sort of like, like the two of us are the nerds in the office that do all the real work uh, <laughs> and no credit. Uh, and, and there's, there's a few of us, Brandy Alexander was there. Uh, those are all like local Vancouver's, but we would get to like sit in these green rooms and have like, honest conversations uh and and to say that you get to sit in a room with like wendy malik and talk comedy yeah you you, there's no amount of money that somebody would pay to take that opportunity um and yet we get to just like be there and shoot the shit um and quite frankly like last year i'm a huge basketball fan uh i'm basically on the toronto raptors and last (laughs) year uh, i had to work twice during the playoffs uh during game four and game six. Wow. So the game that we won and, and right. we're kind of the next most important game. And, uh, Wendy's from LA. So she's, she's, she's an LA fan and she's, she's from the Bay or LA Bay area, whatever. She's an LA fan and she, she reps, uh, the warriors and Kim is just the nicest human kind of on the planet perhaps. <laughs> uh, and so they made sure that there were TVs and that the TVs were on That's and that right. like, had access to, and it was just like so generous. Um, and, uh, and in fact, when, when the game was winding down to the last three minutes, production just stopped. Wow. wow <laughs> that's so cool. Crowded into this room and we watched the Raptors win. I mean, come yeah. on. The Raptors winning their first ever NBA championships, a huge deal. Yeah, awesome. It was like the, it was the biggest thing on the planet. Yes. And, and these people wanted to make a movie. I was like, what are you doing? Get out of here. Don't you understand? Don't you know, yeah. Do you yeah. want to just murder anybody that tries to undercut that championship with the fact that Durant was injured and everybody was injured? Oh, come on. So... <laughs> So, uh, are you uh, like sports fans? Yeah. Okay, I, so well, I got I have to tell you, yeah. I'm a, I'm an Orlando magic fan. And so I have nothing going for me from 2009 until game one <laughs> against you guys in the playoffs. That's, That's all right. I have. Yeah. That's all I have is that three point so, shot. I, uh, Antonio, I coached basketball for 15 years and I coached against, oh. against Zion Williamson. So all those YouTube videos you see, like I'm coaching in the background. So like, I was like, <laughs> quoted in the wall street journal about he, like he played high school basketball in our neighborhood, like, or, like in the city That's next to ours. Amazing. And so I, I coached against him 11 times, like hung out with him on a regular basis. Uh, so yeah, yeah. We, we're My big, high school bred yeah. Andrew Wiggins and, wow. um, and then years later, either, uh, one of the, one of the cousins shy or Nikhil, uh, Alexander Walker. Wow. Went to Bond, but so I'm, I'm, I'm so obsessed with basketball. I know this is a little, uh, you're tangent, fine. I, at the end of, uh, so we did uh, episode four. We did one of the days for Darrow and Darrow, and I had a few days off. And I, I also work in restaurants, so I had a day off at the restaurant. And I looked at my wife, and I was like, "I'm gonna fly to Toronto for Game Five. We're gonna win." <laughs> and she's like, "And and she's like, you have to work tonight." And I was like, "I'm gonna take a red eye tonight." 
I'm certain that we're going to win. And she was like, she was like, is there anything I can say to stop you? And I was like, I'm not even listening to you. I'm go. <laughs> and that was it. I booked a trip and I got on a flight and I flew overnight to Toronto and I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a bag. I had nothing with me. Like I, I you didn't have a ticket, a, like, not a ticket, not even close. And on the plane, on the tarmac, when I landed in Toronto, I sent out a few messages uh, one of which was to my cousin. My cousin is a, a graphic novelist. He, he does, uh, he's, he does like Daredevil and Spider-Man. Oh, wow. and like, I thought you were about that. to say your cousin was Drake and I was going to be like, well, okay. okay. That would be a thing. Yeah. That would be a thing. I'm sure like I'm, I'm degrees of separation from Drake, but I couldn't get him on the phone, but my uh, cousin yeah. would listen to me. And, uh, and as it turned out, my cousin happened to have a connection in town and da da da. And he, he said to me, listen, this is not a hundred percent, but a friend of mine who works on one of my graphics uh, has a ticket. And so we should go. And there's a chance that we're going to get to watch the game courtside. What? There's an equal chance that the person who, who owns the ticket, their flight is going to work out and they're going to come and claim it. It's up to you. And I was like, I'm in. Yes. I've flown all the way for nothing. So we go to the side entrance of, uh, of the Air Canada Centre and this guy walks in and he's got his like official passes and he was like, guys, before we go any further, do not get any further than a foot for me. And if you do scream my name, like you're being attacked because security serious. And I was like, cool. And, uh, and we end up walking through the, like the bowels of the building down the hallway, past the Raptors change room, wow. past the warriors onto the floor. He stops us. He's like, I gotta go have a quick conversation with Mark and make sure he's live to air. And then we're going to chat. We walk up, Mark Jackson, George Burke <laughs> talking, and I'm like, <laughs> like freaking, we're watching the whole warm-up. I watched the warm-up where Kevin Durant came out and did his shots. And I looked at this 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 guy and I said, he's not okay. No. The guy was like, no, no, he's been cleared to play. And I was like, cleared or not, he's not okay. Nope. I was like, he hasn't pivoted and he hasn't leapt off of either foot. And they were like, no, no. And I was like, dude, I'm, I know injuries. I'm telling you, he's not good to play. But like, you do you. Someone should tell him, but like, whatever. <laughs> and he ended up walking past us in the hallway. And I, I had that moment where I was like, I wanted to say something. And I, I like, should have told oh him. Yeah. And his, his injury is on you at That's the right. end of the day. It's all on you. <laughs> I take full responsibility for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and right at the moment that we were supposed to get these tickets, he gets a call on his walkie and he's like, ah, oh, the guy's here. He's like, I feel so bad. I'll tell you what. I work for ESPN. I'm calling the truck today. Come on to the truck and watch game five. Oh my gosh. That's fun. <laughs> 100 cameras. Yeah. I, I almost mean, had, I like, we left at halftime because as a fan who wants them to win, I was having a panic attack. Yeah. I was <laughs> like between like all my childhood stuff coming up and like my, my deep love and a hundred cameras. You see too much. I was having a full blown panic attack. Wow. But it was the greatest experience, sporting experience. Otherwise it was amazing. Wow. wow. I love that stuff. That's, That's so unbelievable. Cool. That's so fun. Man, you hate to do this at this point, but I, I think we need to take one more quick break. <laughs> if we have to. All right. We'll get back and talk All about right. Drake and stuff here yeah. on uh, Deck the Home. Let's dive back. Antonio. You were also work in a restaurant. I just need to go yeah. back to that real quick. Yeah, I have a, I have a restaurant group. Um, a good friend of mine, Andrew Jameson, started a restaurant and uh, right as I moved to Vancouver and he sort of picked me up and he was like, I'm buying a restaurant and my wife's pregnant with twins. Are you in? So I was like, I'm in for the restaurant part. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so me, him, uh, and this brilliant chef named Sean Reeve uh, have right now two restaurants. We've got our eye on a third and we just bought a food truck because we're idiots. 
So what do you do? Do you just like GM it? You show up and just like, you know, tell her, tell her. And what kind of food? Like I have to, we have to know. Yeah, I know there's so much. Uh, (laughs) I I, kind of do everything. So, I I mean, my job is always front of house. So I've always been the, the front of house operations guy, whether that's serving or managing or whatever it is, GMing. Now I kind of do operations, which is more to say, like, I don't work, (laughs) but I show up and say, like, make sure that everybody has what's needed in order to get the day going, get the week going, get the month going, create vision and strategy alongside my partners to figure out, like, how how we're going to make it out of a pandemic and beyond. Um, And then, you know, like two days ago, I got in and there was no dishwasher. We were actually busy. And I was like, well, I guess I'm a dishwasher for three hours. So, you, you know, you just do what needs to be done. Wow. Um, in order to make it work. And the two restaurants are, are kind of different. One of them is called Say Mercy, and it's uh, Italian through the lens of American barbecue. Oh, yeah. So you look at, like, the playfulness of Americana, uh, and then we, we kind of blend that with, like, the the the, the technique and the, the sort of, like, history of Italian food. Okay. Uh, and then the other one's uh, the McKenzie Room, and it's, it's really, like, rustic farm-to-table. Um, you know, the goal of a dish is that, like, you should take a bite and then have a – have, like, a – and have to stop and go like, Oh my God, this reminds me of like my grandmother's backyard and the smell of the mud. <laughs> so stop selling Antonio. I'm in for both of yeah. these. They're a pretty rad spots, man. We got, we got to make a trip up. We got to have to have gotta make a trip up and go to the restaurant. I'm all yeah, in. Get out of here. Yeah. I'm all in. Um, are you going to be cheering for the, uh, the Tampa Tampa Raptors or what are you going to do? Then? Yeah, because I have to. Yeah. I mean, they're my team through and through. I will not ever call them anything other than the Toronto Raptors. And and it's the only asterisk that I will apply is the Toronto Raptors asterisk. They didn't play here this year, and that's why they're not going to do as well. Yeah, yeah fair. Oh, that's fair. Fair that's enough. Fair. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah. yeah. You want to rapid fire this let's thing? Do, let's do a rapid fire. Uh, we each get to ask you three questions. You got to answer as quickly oh. as possible. Um, you know, you can... Take a little time and think about it. Like, okay. don't lie, but yeah. but you have to answer. That's that's yeah, that's fair. That's the rule, yeah. Dan. The thing that America, like the United States, has that that's just better than what Canada has. Something, food, gas station, I, something. I think it's cereal. Cereal? What cereal? I, I, yeah, I think breakfast. I think I have a feeling. Growing up, we always used to. Uh, anytime somebody was going to like Buffalo, they would come back with Cookie Crisp. Wow! And and that kind of like set me off. The three times I've only been to the states like I don't know four or five times over the course of my life, and every time I do, I go to the grocery store to look at the cereals because the breakfast cereals are not what we have. Like there's there's all the brand stuff, and then there's this like weird off brand. And I am the person. I'm I'm like. I make bad food decisions. If there's a thing that you can buy that 10 people at the table are like, don't get that. I'm like, yeah, I'll get that. Yeah. What about Canada? What's the reverse? Like what does Canada have? The United States just doesn't, can't really replicate. <laughs> uh, healthcare. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that's, that goes without saying. That's kind of it. <laughs> yeah. Fair uh, enough. I don't think there's nothing food wise, but I, I do think, um, the times that I was in the States, the people were actually, the places that I were, the people were incredibly kind. And Canada has that in a different brand. Like, like we have a, we have a, a, a Coke to a Pepsi. And I think that there's a, there's a way that people can be nice here that I think is afforded by, um, well, I'm skewed because I grew up in Toronto. Like I was going to say it's afforded by like, like, ample multiculturalism and diversity and, and other sounds and smells, but I'm sure that's just big city. So let's just scratch that one. Fair <laughs> enough. Panda? Best meal you've ever had. Cleo's in Boston. Um, 
there's this uh, there's a spot in Boston. Uh, I, I had looked up years ago. I don't know. I don't, I don't even remember why we were there. I think we were like we were in Kennebunk Port, and I was like, oh, I want to do two days in Boston. And we did a tasting menu, and it was like a 13 course tasting menu. Mm-hmm. And this was like kind of right when I was getting into really being excited by food and really stretching my imagination as to what people could do. And there were two dishes that I, that like just shifted things for me. One was just this ugly soup with an egg in it that when it dropped down, I was like, who is this? This sucks. And I took one bite and I was frozen. It was like a religious experience. Every part of my body went into like a, like a a weird sensory overload. Um, and, and I just, I, I was like, I was almost in tears. I could, I was like, my wife was looking at me and she, funny enough, she didn't like it. She took a bite and she's like, ah, oh, it's a little, and I was like, just stop. And I ate all of mine and then I went to go eat hers and the server came over and he stopped me and he said, um, this dish is really rich and you probably shouldn't have two. It's not meant for that. And I was like, you're the boss, you're the boss. And then after that, he came out with this glass bird cage that looked like it was frosted and, and a piece of wood under it. And he put it right up to my face. I'm usually pretty good about things, but I was like, get out of my face. And he got right up to my face and then he lifted it so that the smoke went in my face. Oh my and he was gosh. like, that. And there was this tiny, stupid piece of sashimi. And uh, again, I was like, I paid so much money for this 80,000 course tasting menu and they're gonna give me grains of rice. And I put it in and it just melted. Oh boy. And the, Man. like the smoke plus the presentation, plus the flavor of it was, Oh boy. Again, it was like, it transported me to a, to a, to a, a, a whole other land where I was like, anything is possible. I love this. So, <laughs> Man. Um, wow. Cleo's in Boston shifted something for me. Yeah. Right. In Boston. Yeah. Uh, when I think of Toronto, I think of the Raptors. I think yep. of Drake and I think of Rob Ford. And so oh, I yeah. want to know your favorite <laughs> Rob Ford story. <laughs> um, my favorite well, there's two. One one of them is one of them is real, and then so Rob Ford at one point was uh, was the coach of the Don Bosco Eagles, this sure. like high school football team. And I don't know what happened. I don't care. The story is never going to be right, anyways. But he ended up commandeering something like thirty Toronto Transit City buses to drive them all home, and the students all had like their own bus to drive them to their house. Like a, like a big one by bus. one bus, bus per person. Yeah. Cause wow. he was an idiot. Wow. Rob <laughs> Ford, everybody. It's, it's on a whole other level. Oh my goodness. So, so the second piece, uh, the second story though, that I'll give you, which isn't, uh, uh, there, you know, it, there's a sadness to the story, I guess in the long run, certainly, but I went to the hospital for something. I can't remember what I was there for, but it was, it was something like benign, like uh, nothing was broken or whatever. And I remember being in the hospital, getting to a conversation with a, a woman about Rob Ford. And she was such a supporter. And I was having this like real emotional reaction where I was like, get out of my life. Like <laughs> we are not from the same city. And over my shoulder, Rob Ford walked by and got into an elevator. And I remember because I had to go somewhere. And so I went in and popped into the elevator. I was like, oh, the elevator. And I got in and we stood there in silence and went up and he got off at oncology and and I went home and I told everybody Rob Ford has cancer. Like, wow. There's, there's no wow. question about it. Oh I was gosh. there, like I saw it and, and it wasn't like, it didn't like, I didn't break the news. It didn't go anywhere. Nobody spoke about it, but it wasn't for another, I think four months that it came out. Wow. wow. Unbelievable. So everybody, incredible. Like, 
on the downswing of our crack smoking mayor, sure. I had this like really humanizing experience where I was like, our crack smoking mayor is going to die. Wow. <laughs> because I thought I, I was, I was in the, in the same space. That's crazy. And he got out of the elevator and I went up to my whatever appointment. And, but I remember going home and telling people like, I was like, yeah, we, yeah, we should probably be a little bit nicer. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. Your, uh, Antonio, your favorite or most memorable movie you saw in a movie theater. <laughs> um, wasn't my favorite, most memorable. I went to go see, I think it was called Amos and Andrew. Okay. Uh, the movie itself was terrible, but I don't even know why this happened, but I think that a friend of mine got the movie theater either rented out as a kid or maybe it was just, a, it was a terrible movie and it was empty, but it was like 35 of like me and my whatever age we were, we were like grade seven, grade eight, grade nine friends watching this movie. Maybe we were younger, but watching this movie and like movie theaters up until that point had always been this like quiet, sacred space where like everyone, like, you know, if somebody spoke, they would get yelled at or shushed, um, which I support. I shush people all the time, but um, <laughs> there was something about being in that theater with our friends during like what was a ridiculous movie and being able to be loud and to shout at people and to like th throw candy, throw candy at people's heads in the dark. Uh, so that's the most it. memorable. doesn't speak much to me as being an actor, but no, I love <laughs> it. It's a great answer. Mm. Real person. Imagine for a moment that we all visit you uh, and we want to hang out. Uh, what would you do to show us a good time? Like how, how would we all hang out as bros? In Vancouver or in Toronto? Man, you're Where, wherever you are. Wherever you are, You're that's where I want to be. Yeah. I picked Toronto. Okay. Uh, I, I'm still new ish to Vancouver. I've been here six years. It's not, you know, I like it here. It's not quite home, and I don't really know the city in the way that I know my home. But uh, but if we go to Toronto, I'm really lucky because almost everybody I've known in Toronto works in uh, the restaurant and bar industry. Uh, and so, honestly, I would take you down to Ossington to start. We would go to a place that I think is no longer in existence, but but it's magical. So I will it back into existence called Hawker Bar, and Hawker Bar has the best chicken wings. Mm. <laughs> I, I just had. don't know. Ch and that's where wings. we would begin. We would start at Hawker Bar, and we would make no plans. What we would do is we would walk down Ossington until Antonio saw the next person that he knew, which which if you hang out with me happens a lot, and we would follow them to their next destination. And we would get into random conversations with people kind of at the bar and in the restaurant and find out where they're going and follow them. And we would do that until about 4 a.m. That, that sounds man, like that would be It's the best that answer to that question hey, we've ever had. the best one. Man, <laughs> it's a good one. Um, we've all watched stuff uh, since March when we had to start uh, staying home more um, that we're not proud of. Um, <laughs> but we couldn't stop. What's been your guilty pleasure show for 2020 or movie that you just keep or have kept going back to? Oh, that's a good question. I'm here for the good questions. Yeah, I'm. I'm uh, yeah, it's a really good one. You know, the problem is, is that I did my darkest TV watching right at the beginning, and I I'm not remembering all the bad ones. But well, let me just ask you this: then. Is there something? Not it doesn't have to be this year. But what's something that you uh, like? It's your guilty pleasure escape type of thing like hallmark oh yeah i mean my my general guilty pleasure movies uh are all are all of like uh a, a 90s 90s-esque like weed smoking generation <laughs> friday 
and how high. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, um, what's that other one? Half that baked, we, Dave half Chappelle. Baked, yeah. yeah, like those are. I mean, half half baked and Friday in my in my youth were on constant rotation. Uh, we knew them verbatim. I probably still do. <laughs> I can't get rid of them. Um, yeah, so those those have been. Th- those those are my general guilty pleasures. In fact, my most recent guilty pleasure, actually, if 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 I'm if I'm not thinking TV, has been uh, I was I, I'm currently working on Mighty Ducks, and the kids on the Mighty Ducks on. are big Hamilton fans. And I didn't I love musicals, but I just didn't get into Hamilton. And one of them was rapping, and I was like, oh, I could do that better. And so I went and listened to Hamilton, and I learned one of the songs. And then uh, I was like, Oh my god. I think I really like this. <laughs> and so now I'm listening to Hamilton like 24 like I can't stop. Yeah. It's like it's like when you're eating chips and you know that you're done but you're just like I need the motion. The motion feels really good. I've, I've never <laughs> experienced anything quite like Hamilton where if anyone tells me they couldn't get into it I'm like just keep listening to it. Just keep doing yeah. it until you figure it out. You'll get there. Yeah. Like that's yeah. just how I I can't imagine anyone just not liking Hamilton. It's just weird to me. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I chose to not like it on, on like a principle and the principle was nothing. Yeah. It just was like, people like Hamilton. Yeah. yeah. Well, then I don't. That's right. There, you go. there it is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Give me a dream director, actor, or writer that you would like to work for or with as, um, as an actor. You know, yeah. Somebody asked, because my life is a series of accidents, I don't spend a lot of time thinking like this, but I, I, I like the question. And somebody asked me this recently. And one of the names that came up surprised me because I don't think that I said it because I like their work, but I would want to be on a film with Will Smith. Wow. Okay. And it's, a, it, I hope he never watches this. He doesn't hear me say this, but I think it's a stupid choice. Like I'm sure there's a better choice is what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, everybody loves but Will Smith. I love him. And, and, and what I really, oh, it's my, uh, my family went walking in the background. Um, what I love know. about him in fact is, is actually that, he has, he has lived his life with a certain type of intention all the way through and he cops to not being right about it all the time. Yeah. And, and there's something again, as a, as a a young dad, I, I want to be on a set with him because I really believe that he is the person who will unlock mysteries that I didn't know I was mystified by that will end up making my work better, but also because it makes my, myself better. Wow. And so, so he, yeah, so he's, he's, I mean, I don't know what we would do together. Bad boys three. Have they yeah, done that yet? They Man. did bad boys three. He intentionally, <laughs> he intentionally chose uh wild, wild west and he was dead wrong about that one. And he would, right. he, but he would admit it. He had like, he, he had, a, he had a formula for what makes a good blockbuster. And like, that's why yeah. he would say no to movies. And yet like, you're 100% right. Like he has he been intentional. That's right. He did. Like, yeah. Yeah. He like, has been intentional. That guy. That's right. For sure. <laughs> I love it. Um, what's your next tattoo going to be? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, I have a, I have a, um, I have a lot of tattoos and I think my next tattoo will probably be something that my son says that blows my mind. Okay. Mm. I like I that. It. I like that. Yeah. It's good. I'll end with a Christmas question, but um, okay. like maybe a, maybe a sad one, not a sad one, boy, but boy. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of Christmas songs out there. They get played on repeats what Christmas song would you get rid of forever if you were given the power? So many. Um, <laughs> actually, what's uh, the, 
the white Christmas song that I'm dreaming. Bing Crosby, what? White Christmas. You don't, don't like what? White Christmas? No, I don't want you it. You know what? I was excited for Christmas in Evergreen. I was like, this is great. Groundbreaking this- stuff. No, not interested anymore. I love this guy. Yeah, this there, guy there's a lot it. of songs that I. So, but here's the thing: like, I live in this like weird, weird counterculture. Like, my can I go off screen for a second? My sure. album is like. I mean, oh. okay, all right. Like that's all I'm here for. You, know? <laughs> you, give me, you give me the weird Mariah Carey remixes. I'm like, shouldn't have been made, but. I'll listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, it's just, it's, all the old stuff that feels like it's not not for me, not by me, not with me. I'm I like, love it. I don't know. I don't care about you. It's not for me. <laughs> you could have done like Santa Baby or something, man. Like Bing Crosby. He went right after Bing Crosby. Lord, I love it. Dagger to the but heart. Santa right. Baby, like Eartha Kitt does Santa Baby, and you're like, woo, yeah. that's nice. We were just talking about Santa Baby today and how what? Just, it's got to be it, inappropriate. They, there's right? a wink there for there's, sure. Totally yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Completely. Kids around the world, hurry down the cherry tonight. And you're no like, way. hey, no. eight year old, take it down a notch. Stop singing right Stop now. Stop it. That's right. <laughs> yes. Uh, this has been fantastic. Your movie's airing tonight. Uh, tell people about it, where they can watch it, and how they can follow along with you on the internet machine. You can watch it on, uh, on, on the Hallmark Channel. Uh, where you watch all the other magical Christmas movies. Um, and uh, I think uh, a whole group of us are going to be hitting Twitter. So you can follow us on Twitter, uh, hashtag Christmas in Evergreen. Uh, don't make it complicated. Just Christmas in Evergreen, three nice long words. Uh, and uh, I'll be there. I know Rakia will be there. Holly robinson Beat is already there. She's warming up the, warming up the show. Um, that's the place to find us all. And uh, it's called Bells Are Ringing. So you're going to get to see Holly Robinson Pete uh, and Mr. Colin Lawrence kind of like approaching their wedding. Will they? Nice. Won't they? What's going to happen? I don't know. <laughs> uh, and then you'll see me and Rakia just like love each other fiercely while also wondering what do we want out of this life. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Love it. I God love it. You, and I right. hope you find it. Um, I can tell you what I want for my life and it's to listen to white Christmas on repeat because I am a real human. Uh, Thank you for joining us. It's been so much fun and may we be the first to wish you, my friend, a very Merry Merry Christmas. Christmas. Thank you. Deck the Hallmark is a Bramble Jam podcast. It's produced by Brandon Gray and presented by Friendly TV. Our lovely set is decorated by Plum Home Decor. You can check them out at plumonmain.com. For more information on Bramble Jam Podcast, go to BrambleJamPodcast.com. And to hear every Bramble Jam Podcast ad-free, go to BrambleJamPlus.com.